Welcome to Open Plaza, created by the Hispanic Theological Initiative. For more information about today's episode, visit htiopenplaza.org. Welcome to the HTI Open Plaza podcast. My name is Joanne Rodriguez. I am the executive director of the Hispanic Theological Initiative. And this morning, I have the great pleasure of speaking to Dr. Ahida Calderon Polarski. She is an Old Testament scholar at St. Anselm College. Welcome, Aida. Thank you, Joan. It's uh, an honor to be here with you, and thank you for inviting me for this conversation. So, Aida, I invited you today because you participated in Latinas in Leadership almost a year and a half ago. The program just finished, and during that time, we asked you to speak on this wonderful acronym that you have developed called MEDS. Um, I'm interested in you sharing your journey to get to that acronym. Very good. So I want to begin just with a disclaimer that I am not a certified personal development coach, uh, but I do bring a lot of um, lived experience and uh, wisdom, I will say, in having adopted and learned many habits that have improved my quality of life tremendously. Uh, The MEDS is actually a very well-known acronym in personal development. So it's not originally one that I developed, but it's one that I have adapted to the life of a scholar. So in that sense, I, I think I can contribute to some of the reflection on, on what it means. And just to clarify, METS stands for meditation, exercise, diet, and sleep, which are four foundational pillars for personal development. Mm. How I came to it, I, I hear it, the, the answer will be a bit long because it's a, it's a twofold uh, answer. The first thing is that I, um, I connected this understanding of wellness to human development, which is a foundational belief uh, for me as a person of faith. And I think for perhaps for many of uh, people in the audience, uh, this might resonate. So human dignity. And, uh, and by the way, this also applies to many other disciplines. So I would say that would apply to your Old Testament, right? As a scholar yes. in the Old Testament. It's a biblical foundational exactly. concept, human dignity, that mm-hmm. starts with creation, right? Being created in the image and likeness of God. And that endows every person uh, to to uh, live and respect this and honor this integrity, this dignity that comes from being created by God. Yes, precisely, and that connects to the other part. Uh, I, ha- I am an Old Testament scholar, so I focus in the Old Testament, mainly Hebrew Bible, and uh, for years I had been teaching, uh, for those who know about the Bible, there is the the covenant in the Old Testament, the one or Hebrew scriptures, and that is, or we find the narrative in the book of Exodus, right? But when you go deep into the understanding and the narratives about this particular moment in the life of the community, uh, I can uh, 
or I can help you visualize this by thinking of two concentric circles. So when you think of the covenant in the in the Hebrew scriptures or the Old Testament, you need to think of two concentric circles. At the center or the inner circle, uh, you have the Ten Commandments, which when speaking about the covenant, immediately people connect to that. So the inner circle connects to the understanding of the Ten Commandments that requires loving God and loving the other. Then this Decalogue or the Ten Commandments in the Pentateuch or the Torah, so the first five books of the Old Testament, is followed by a legal code. Yes. So there are three legal codes in the Old Testament. Those found in the legal codes. You've, you, you have three. One is in the book of Exodus, and that is known as the Covenant Code. Okay. Then there is the one in the book of Leviticus that is known as the Holiness Code. Mm-hmm. And there is one in the book of Deuteronomy, known as the Deuteronomic Code. Can you break down those three a little bit more? Because some of that wording is not common. Yes. So, again, these are connected to the Pentateuch, or the first five books of the Old Testament, also referred to as the Torah. And, uh, you know, the Pentateuch has five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So the books of Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy contain these legal codes. So there are major sections in these three books that add lots of regulations that are giving directives to people on how to live according to the principles of the covenant. So if you really love God and love your neighbor, you are going to then follow these when you are in these cases. Mm -hmm. So this is like the format is known as casuistic law. So it goes by cases. If you are in this situation or in this case, this is what you should do. Mm -hmm. So then you are living according to these principles. So this outer circle then contains regulations about every aspect in the life of a community. The social, the economic, the religious, what to do in the context of war. There are dietary laws. So there are all, it covers all aspects of life. And that's the part where, uh, I mean, just the, the format teaches this aspect of the covenant that it is not just about believing in your head or your heart, but you need to live according to those principles. So those principles were set up for people at that time. So someone can easily say, well, we're living now how does what relevance does that have for us today, or is that even applicable to our lives now? Uh, yes, if you take the larger frameworks in which these are presented, especially for people of faith. So the central understanding, and and this will be found also in Christianity in the New Testament when Jesus was asked, "What's the most important commandment?" You know, referring to the ten words or the the, the the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. And uh, his answer was, love God and love your neighbor. If you understand that, you understood the scriptures. And he doesn't leave us out in that commandment as well. Right. But what is, again, going back to the general frameworks is, yes, if one says that you love God and love your neighbor, 
this is not just in the religious context. This is something that, it, as they presented in the codes, involves every aspect of life. And there is a, that outer circle that points to the practical dimension of these principles. There is where I found this second connection to, that I learned from my own teaching, that I kept telling, you know, love your neighbor, love your neighbor. If you love God, you love your neighbor. Yes. But then I started thinking, uh, and we call that social justice. Uh, so then I say, wait, but sometimes, you know, in order to love your neighbor, you need to love yourself first. Yes. So they're personal, and I call it personal justice. And why would you say that you have to love yourself first? Because, you know, an easy example. Uh, let's bring it to, the, to an airplane. Hopefully, most of you have experienced this being in the plane. And if you are accompanied by someone who will need your help, either a child or an, an older person, uh, they, they give you the instructions. You know, if there is a need to use the mask, please put it first so that you can help the other person. I think it works the same. It is, it is the same learning experience that I get into this. Uh, in order to help the others, we really need to help uh, ourselves. So you had also mentioned that you this wasn't immediate for you. This was an immediate. So tell us a little bit about how you came to your own personal understanding of why this is important to pay attention to, and then it, that led to the meds. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we are kind of focusing a bit on meds for scholars, right? Yes. Uh, so as I mentioned, I am a professor of Old Testament now, so I have been teaching now for a couple of decades, and uh, I notice in my own health that given the amount of work that one gets, and I, and I think this is just in academia, but in all professions, we get to be overworked, and then uh, there is that question of balancing work and life. And uh, but then, when we start seeing health issues, and one tries to then think or find answers, as scholars do, uh, then I came to realize that uh, there was more to just um, going to the doctor and maybe just getting some medications for. Uh, whatever was the health issue, but I needed to understand what was the root cause. And that was that I wasn't really taking care of myself. In academia, I, uh, I had the chance to talk to the students the other day yes. uh, here at the HDI, and, uh, and I said, academia and all other professions, unfortunately, their priority is productivity. And... Uh, that sometimes is at the expense of people's wellness. So our wellness is not their priority. So one needs to, in a sense, take the time and the responsibility to then uh, uh, try to balance uh, life and work. But the irony, uh, now based on experience, is that the more you take care of your body and your wellness, you're going to be more productive. It's unfortunate that they don't recognize that and that we ourselves are so caught up in the, I, I call it madness of productivity, that we don't take the time, as you're saying, to refocus um, our lives and even call back our lives, right? Yes. 
100% uh, true. And uh, the thing is, there might be those life experiences that might just force you to get to those moments where you then realize, wait, I do need to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think one experience that we all share is uh, our experience of COVID because we were all faced with mortality. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was a moment that really intensified my uh, a commitment then to now make a change. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, But the thing is, the more you work at the meds, then the better you get at just balancing yes. because you prioritize your wellness. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I appreciated that you shared that with Latinas in Leadership because I think it's helped at least the 14 women that were participating in the program how to refocus their lives because as women, we do a lot of multitasking, not just in our professional lives, but also in our homes, with our children, sometimes with our elderly elding parents and family members. Um, So tell us a little bit about how, first, give us a little bit more of a definition of the meds and also maybe some examples of how it has really helped you reshape your priorities in your life. Mm -hmm. So let me begin by just uh, echoing the reference to Latinas in Leadership another program from HTI that it helped me a lot, empowered me in so many ways. And actually the program started with wellness. And so it really resonated with my timing of going through this, this journey of personal development. So the MEDS, as I mentioned, is an acronym and it stands for meditation, exercise, diet, and sleep. So for meditation, uh, actually in the field of theology, religion, or just faith communities, we have a, an added advantage there because we have experienced prayer and meditation. Uh, and there is quite a bit of the context of what happens while we are praying that connects to this understanding of how to calm the mind uh, because it distresses us. And yes. uh, now, that is something that shouldn't happen just in the religious context, but it's something that is part of wellness. Uh, we are so busy that then we need to really add in our schedules those times to stop and refocus. And uh, breathing is an important exercise within meditation and refocusing. The one exercise that I like to share is the box breathing. Uh, even Navy SEALs use this when they need to calm down and refocus and just focus on the one thing that they need to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's called the box because it has four sides and each side is four seconds. So connecting it to your breathing will be to inhale or breathe in and then mentally you count to four. So you breathe in. One, two, three, four. Hold it for four seconds. One, two, three, four. Breathe out, exhale. One, two, three, 
four and hold it. One, two, three, four. So even if you take a minute in between doing things, as you transition from one thing to the next, just do the back breathing. And as you are, especially the part of exhale, first focus on trying to master the four seconds on each side. Once you are able to do that, then in the part where you exhale, mentally you can add something else is called a release meditation. And especially if you are stressed out, just think of that, just release that stress. So as you are exhaling, just say release, 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 and then go through the backs again, and then release, release, release. So, uh, this is actually, I just want to give credit to, there is this uh, amazing person in personal development. Uh, his name is Brendan Bouchard. If you, he has so many videos in YouTube, and he has a podcast, and uh, he created this, the, he calls it the re, uh, release meditation. And if you want to follow that YouTube, it helps you. It's a guided meditation in that sense, but it's just focus on the release, release. Mm -hmm. And it really mm -hmm. calms you down. And he has connected it to his release and inten intention. You're so right. after you release, then you start thinking, all right, what are my priorities? Let me refocus now and set my intention so that I can align whatever I'm doing with my priorities. But you said something really important. That's great. And you started out with saying, we as faith, people of faith have prayer. And yet, um, as the world continues to get so maddening, right? So many, you know, ecology, economy, government and everything. We kind of get caught up in that and don't realize that we already have a gift in our faith tradition, which is prayer. Because prayer does, or devotion, and devotional, right? Like when you sit and you just kind of ruminate or find some psalm or something where you can sit and really get affirmed in biblical scripture and the understanding of that too. So this breathing connected to pausing, to meditating is, you know, part of a, of a lot of faith traditions. Yes. You're, again, you're 100% correct. And... Uh, Eventually, we might do another podcast on this, but science is now helping us to bring the necessary data to uh, this that is happening or has been part of religious traditions for many uh, centuries, if not thousands of years. And uh, I, I uh, was reading this uh, volume that tries to bridge neuroscience and humanities. And there is this article of what happens in the brain, and we have now plenty of brain images to show that participating, engaging in these religious experiences, it does something to the brain that releases those hormones for happiness and calmness and serenity. And we so, can find joy. We can find yes. joy again. We can find hope again. Yeah. And so our faith traditions have actually... As, as people of faith, in many different faiths, we sometimes can't throw away one of the sayings I like to say, the baby with the water. Yes. There's a lot of richness and wisdom in what we have garnered as people of faith. It should go hand in hand. I think the, yes. yes, we have that. So it's a both end, right? But it is important that 
we understand our bodies now so that we can fully engage. And uh, these simple practices, like just mastering your breathing so that you can calm yourselves, then you release the other hormones that we need to then have joy yes. and be happy. Yes. And then we'll probably end up more in, a, in our religious settings, right? Because it complements. I think they go hand in hand. So you, the next one is exercise. Exercise. And here, again, when mentioning these words, sometimes people immediately connected to going to the gym and, or running. And it's not, I mean, it's nice if one can do that. But in reality, we don't have much time sometimes to do that. So simple things, walking. And uh, again, science is helping us. Uh, in understanding that the, the nice or good effects of just walking, uh, and it doesn't, one doesn't have to do that all at once. Like you don't have to go for a one hour or two hour walks. It's just throughout the day. But make sure, now we have all like in our watches or in our phones, you know, the, the how they the, fit. It's called the Fitbit or the Walk app where it measures how many steps you take. And I've seen you practice that. You come to meetings and you, as soon as we have a break, you, you instead of sitting there, you go for a 10-minute walk. Yes, mm -hmm. because you can add like 1,000 steps in a 10-minute walk. Mm -hmm. So and Now, uh, all of us, which is a research program from the National Institutes of Health, uh, has now plenty of data to demonstrate that taking at least 8,200 steps a day may lower the risk for depression, sleep apnea, acid reflux, obesity, diabetes, and high blood pressure. So it's 8,200 steps. And I, I said a 10 minutes walk can do the, 1, is 1,000 steps. So if you can time it, put it in your schedule, put it in your agenda for the day, and even if it's not there, but you have the opportunity, you have 10 minutes, go for a walk. Mm -hmm. And the other, one, the other thing I like to mention in this area of exercise is these short walks, if you can do one early in the morning, between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m., uh, it will help you to reset or align yourself with what is called the circadian clock. So it's aligning with the kind of the, the the life clock, so the, from day to night. There is again science that demonstrates that it is during this uh, time in the morning that the blue light, it just uh, it releases some, uh, or, or, or the effects, I don't have the, the technicalities here, but it activates things in our brain so that we can uh, have that energy that we need at the beginning of the day. To start the day off right. Yes, yes, yes. And, and it's true. It's, uh, I mean, it may take some work to get there, right? It doesn't happen. One doesn't align to the clock right away. Yeah, but you have to intentionally do it and create that habit. Yes. And eventually the clock resets. Tell us about the D. The D will be for diet then. And once again, you hear the word diet and people think of, you know, losing weight. And no, this is more just connected to uh, what we eat. So our nutrition, making sure we are eating healthy. And uh, for this, 
if I were to say, if you want to commit to these meds, uh, one first step is just lowering the intake of sugar and processed foods. Don't worry about, oh, I'm going to eat more salads or more these and at this time and only this number of meals. No, just take sugar and processed foods out when you go to the shopping. I have to confess, sugar's a hard one for me. <laughs> yes, but... But, but it, reducing it, it continue yes. to find or alternatives, like instead of having more co- more sugar in your coffee, it's just a hard one. <laughs> yes, or at least try to use honey, honey yeah. or but organic syrup. if you can. If you can, uh, but ideally, it's just the sugar intake. Is uh, brain studies shows that uh, the reason why you can or it's hard to stop is because it has the ex- same effects as consuming drugs. Oh. So it is addictive, and. Uh, mm. All these food companies that create all this nice candy, they know that. And, uh, so you can keep purchasing and buying it. Yes, because it's addictive. Yes. So it's going to be hard to stop. And here is where uh, setting your life goals, and I'm not talking about what one does at the beginning of the year. You know, these are my goals for the year. Uh, they're not going to happen if one is not committed to those goals yes and that's why you need to uh, the mindset yes you know uh, Mm. take those moments and then remember all right well the breathing in the beginning sometimes that intentionality of just stopping and breathing and pausing your life and not being in a what they call here the rat race you know Mm -hmm. but you step you 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 build the confidence of just sitting there and saying it's going to be okay, but I have to first do this so I can do all these other things. Or, or, or giving priority. This will get done. That will get done instead of trying to do it all. Tell us about the S. The S is for a sleep, right? The, and here it's important to, again, when you hear a sleep, it's just going to bed and trying to sleep. Ideally, one should sleep uh, seven to eight hours uh, each night. Uh, but we also need to consider that there is a sleep and there is rest. Uh, and uh, a sleeping, the, the more you rest, the more prepared you will be for a sleeping. So uh, Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, uh, who is a board-certified internal medicine physician and work-life integration researcher, uh, she published a book not long ago, it's kind of recent, entitled Sacred Rest. And in that book, she differentiates the seven types of rest. There is the physical rest, that is generally the seven or eight hours that we get at night, that our bodies need those hours so that all the systems can recharge, a kind of cleanse and recharge. So then we will have energy the next day. So a sleep is extremely important. And naps might be included in this as well. So there is physical rest, there is mental rest. And especially scholars, academics, students, right? We know this, that sometimes, you know, with all the information that we get, sometimes our brains get over, uh, overcharged. Right. And again, scholars, students, people in academia or any profession, uh, we know that sometimes when there is a lot of information, we get overwhelmed. So we need to make sure we take mental breaks. 
so that if you have been working intensely on something, they go for a 10 minutes walk and then just think of nothing, just enjoy, feel the air, look at things around, enjoy the sound of the birds if they are around. So 10 minutes, those mental breaks are gonna be essential to, again, restoring or resting for restoration, right? The third type is emotional break. And uh, here I think is, this is an interesting one because the, um, either in our work spaces, and sometimes this is even family or friends, uh, you need to make sure you intentionally now try to uh, either improve the relationships that you have so that your surrounding is more positive. And whenever possible, if there, are, uh, there is some toxicity or some toxic people around, you might need to then be thinking, be aware of that, and then begin distancing yourself if you can, uh, or at least try to restore that or relationship. Say, uh, and, and, and sometimes with toxic relationships, if you can't necessarily step away from them, you may need to also set some very clear boundaries you know, with the person and even with yourself and hold yourself account accountable to those boundaries to bring about health, at least for yourself, you know. And, and sometimes those boundaries help you strength, you know, the relationship can change and get better. But minimally, I think it also helps you not be in that toxicity uh, more than you have to. That's right. And, uh, and you mentioned another theme that could be a whole conversation as well, and that is boundaries. Mm -hmm. And there are techniques for that as well. But so that will be the third type of rest. Uh, the fourth one will be sensory. And uh, this one, you know, again, for scholars, and going from students to faculty and others, um, we are in front of the screens for too long. And, I'm talking about the biggest screen of your computer and the screen in your phones. Uh, I think the, um, a, there was a survey of, uh, that says that Americans spend at least four hours in social media per day, four hours. And More. if you add that to just being in front of the screen to do your work, for doing your work, my goodness. Uh, so that's sensory break or rest, we also need that. And you need to time it. So if you know you have spent too much time in front of the screen, then go sit and read a book, not a digital one, just read a book. Or go for a walk. So take constant breaks so that then you, you are, uh, by doing that, you are recharging. Actually, you will have more energy. And here is the, there will be more productivity if you pay attention to what you are doing. The fifth uh, type of rest is a spiritual. And this, again, will be connected to what we were talking about. Yes, our faith lives, they can be very edifying for us in many different ways. That To take that time to do that devotional in the morning or at night or in the middle of the day, pause and breathe. I think that we can't dismiss the power of, of our faith lives. And the benefits yes. for our wellness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so a spiritual break. And uh, so again, add it to your agenda, make sure you do something uh, at least once a week. Uh, then there is the sixth type of rest will be the social rest. And yes, we do need our time alone. And uh, even if you are extroverted, 
we need those times, especially to then refocus and work on our mindset and, and think about our priorities. So we are aligned, not just once per year when you are setting goals for the year, but this is really a daily habit, a daily routine mm -hmm. that needs to happen. Uh, so taking time to then have those time alone. And you can go for it, do it while you are walking or just sit. Uh, this morning we were hearing from our guests. Yes. Uh, just set a space in your home, put a pillow there, and then tell people, if I'm sitting there, that's my time alone. So leave me alone. <laughs> so you reset and rest. And then the last type of rest is creative. And when you hear creative, immediately one can connect it to art, but not necessarily... Uh, it's just taking the time to, uh, as you recharge, think of uh, what things you can use to express that that helps you again re realign mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. with your own personal goals and yes. principles. Yes. So I think sleep and rest are connected and, and that then completes our meds. Wonderful. So our meds are meditation, exercise, diet, and sleep. This has been really an enriching conversation, not just for myself, I've learned so much, but I'm sure for everyone that is listening in on this podcast. Thank you so much for sharing this, your wisdom with us, and thank you for recording with us this, this afternoon. Thank you, Joanne, and thank you to the audience. I hope this helps you. Thank Go Meds. You. <laughs> Go Meds. <laughs> The Hispanic Theological Initiative provides these podcasts as a public service. The views expressed by the guests are their own, and their appearance on this podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or an entity they represent. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by HTI.